Well, what an awesome way to start our time together today, or just to be in the midst, not to start, to be in the midst of our time together today. God is so good. I want to wish our dads a happy Father's Day. Uh, it's exciting to be together like this, to anticipate more to come. Uh, there's been a buzz in the building this morning around the dad jokes. And one of our students, Kellen, shout out to Kellen Lister, gave me a great one. He said, did you hear that the Lord said to John, go forth in the world and receive everlasting life? But John came fifth and received a toaster. And then I found this one I love. We all knew and we all know that Albert Einstein was a genius, but very few people know that his brother Frank was a monster. I'll let that one percolate with you. Friends, we are in great days and exciting days. It feels like we're getting to the other side of the mountain, that maybe this COVID journey uh, is starting to, I don't know if it'll ever come to an end, but it's going to adjust in a major way in just a couple of weeks' time, and the pressure of the season maybe is going to lift a little bit. And this has been a hard season. I think for many of us, as we've come week in and week out, and we have opportunities to worship like we've done here today, there's been refreshment that comes because our souls are weary. They're worn down. They're tired. I confess that I stand before you here today as someone who's weary, uh, just kind of tired of it all. And, and there's things that we need to do. There's practices that we need to keep, but this has been a hard season. Who would have imagined that 13 or 15 months ago, whatever it is now, 15 months ago, that we would have begun a, a process and a journey that would bring us to where we're at here today? And yet, as we look at COVID, I can't think, or I don't think, that we can say that it's been all bad. Uh, people are showing us, scientists are telling us that, that globally in the world, our skies are bluer today than they would have been 24 months ago. With people being held indoors and with restrictions in place and vehicles getting used less, uh, in, uh, plants and, and factories not running as they once did, our world is, is a measure cleaner than it once was. Crime uh, statisticians are telling us that, that things have gotten a little bit better. That, um, that i got to find it in my notes here. Uh, that that, that uh, across the board, car accidents are down. That serious crime is, the statistics are down a little bit universally across the board. And, and things are a little bit better. Even in hospitals, we're learning that uh, that infectious disease uh, has decreased when it comes to respiratory illnesses. People aren't using the emergency room like they might have uh, 15 months ago as far as respiratory illnesses go. And maybe a practice, like it or lump it, in using a mask has helped with that. People are taking the opportunity to enjoy the outdoors more. They're showing signs of being more active, eating better, gardening more, adjusting practices and habits that had built up like plaque on our teeth. We're supporting local business in ways that we haven't done for a long time. And I believe we've taken some positive steps forward and maybe even created some hunger and momentum in our culture to keep going. Similarly in the church, this has been a season of unprecedented change. And we've got another one coming. Even here this morning, we're talking about how are we going to adjust in 10 days time for the change that's coming. So pray for us. I don't think we've adjusted more 
Um, in, we've adjusted more, rather, in the last 15 months than perhaps we have in the previous few generations. But adjustment shouldn't be seen as all bad, friends. In the last 15 months, we've seen people embracing their faith in fresh ways, and they're on fire for Jesus. We've seen salvations. We've seen healings. We've seen generosity. We're, we've seen, and we're going to see, on June, uh, July the 4th, baptisms. It's wonderful. And friends, I believe there's still so much more to come. God didn't take a nap during COVID-19. Instead, he's stirring his church. And as we walk out of our own caves or our tunnels, as we see the light at the end of the day, and we get to this other side of the mountain, figuratively speaking, things are opening up again. And I think we, that there, there's a question that's begging us, kind of like a puppy nipping at our heels. Are we going to go back to what life was like before COVID-19? Or are we going to embrace the callings and the opportunities and the, and the things that God has done in us and for us to step into the God-given fresh opportunities that he wants. Faith no longer is something that just uh, takes place in our lives for an hour on Sunday morning. We're seeing more and more that people are embracing faith in a 24-7, 365-day-a-year sort of a way. A faith that saves lives, a, a faith that reconciles relationships, a faith that seeks the welfare of our city and as as uh, pastors and clergy and laity and elders and all people that fit into that equation, as we consider this, we're excited because I think for a long time we were longing for something fresh and we were longing for something new. And I believe God's presenting us with the opportunity uh, for just that, a fresh encounter in our faith, a fresh encounter with God, and he's stirring our souls for more. About a month ago, as we were praying about this series that we're entering into now in the book of Micah, we had this sense that God was inviting us to consider to leaning into these opportunities as we emerged out of our COVID journey. And as uh, we sensed God was leading us towards this, we got this sense that Micah chapter 6, verse 8 specifically, but Micah chapter 6 was going to be an important passage for us as we take our first steps uh, out of the COVID journey or, or our next steps in the COVID journey. And so if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open them to Micah chapter 6. We're going to spend the next three weeks talking through what we believe God has prophetically given to us, words that will challenge us, words that will spur us, words that hopefully, I'm praying, friends, will lead us into a new season and a fresh season of life with Jesus and life in the Christian faith. We're going to spend time looking first at two ways that we can interact with one another here on earth. We're going to consider our horizontal relationships. And then in the third week, we're going to consider our vertical relationship with our Father. And then after that, we have two missionaries coming, Ernie and Marilyn Clausen, who are retiring international workers. We just learned that Ernie uh, was born in Lethbridge and was deployed or sent out as one of our uh, key missionaries in the Christian Missionary, Missionary Alliance Church. And so we're believing that these are great days. This isn't just a bridge series between Exodus and the summer series that we have planned, but instead we really believe that God is inviting us to lean into something important here. And so I'm going to encourage you to tune in, to join in, to pray in, to be involved in what God is saying and doing, and, and join the journey as we look at this together. 
morning we're going to read from Micah chapter 6, and I would encourage you to be meditating on these words, to be reflecting on these words, and considering these words as they apply to your life moving forward. For the sake of our reading this morning, we're going to start in verse 6 and read through to the end of verse 8. So would you join with me? And let's receive the word of God here together this morning. Starting in verse 6, Micah chapter 6, verse 6. Let's read together. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? With the, will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown all you people what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. COVID has taught us many things throughout these last 15 months. But one of the key phrases that stands out for me is that crisis births opportunity. It's the lesson that when, we're in, when we are in trying times, we as Christians need to keep our eyes open to the fresh ways in which God is moving and then not necessarily abandon what we've been a part of previously or leave what we know in our hearts and what the Bible teaches to us, but rather be willing to adjust our sails to catch the changing winds of our times. There's truths in Scripture that are eternal and that are important. But every so often, we have to adjust our practices so that we can come into closer relationship with God, so that we can be refreshed and renewed and, and be willing to work with the days that God has for us and humbly receive from him what he wants to implant into us. And friends, this has always been the way. Throughout history, scholars have reported that approximately every 500 years, the church goes through a revolution or a refreshment, if you will, where the established order is, is up, turned upside down or replaced with something fresh and relationship with God is reinforced and restored. Where the main things are reinforced once again as the main things because for whatever reason, humanity has abandoned and walked away or, or changed um, relationship with God and has inserted other things into the equation. The last time this took place was approximately 500 years ago, and we called it the Protestant Reformation, a time when there was tension within the church. There was a time where things needed to change, and so Martin Luther took the 95 theses. As he looked at, at what was taking place, he took the 95 theses, and he nailed it to the cathedral door, and he promoted and he, and he prompted a personal relationship with God once again. For years, if not generations, the Catholic Church had operated in a way that, that where, where faith had to be practiced through the saints, through the bishop, through the pope, through the priest, whatever the case might be. If you wanted to talk to God, you went to one of these people and you made your request. You confessed your sin through the priest. You, uh, you gave your money to the church and there started to be a disconnect between the faith that Martin Luther started to have a disconnect between the faith that he saw in the life of people like Joseph or Abraham or Moses and the faith that was being practiced, as, practiced and he knew something had to change. Something had to be revolutionized. Something had to be refreshed. Something had to be transformed. And so that, paired with something that took place 100 years earlier, the Gutenberg printing press, radically transformed the faith and the, the, the um, Christian experience that people had and the relationship that they had with the Heavenly Father. The Gutenberg press put the Word of God into the hands of the common person. 
It put it, into the, it put it into common language, and as a result, all of a sudden, faith became very personal once again. It was a powerful time, and as a result of, of these things, we saw revivals taking place throughout the last 500 years at different times. Revivals in Wales, revivals even here in Canada, where people had these powerful, dynamic encounters, whereas they adjusted their sails and made things right with God once again. God did a powerful work in their lives. And it seems to be, scholars say, every 500 years, there comes this time of refreshment. And in the book of Micah, we see this playing out here before us in chapter 6. The Israelite people have got offside with God. They've got offside in their practices. And we set up this scene in chapter 6, verse 1, where the Israelite nation is coming before the Lord almost, not almost, in a, in a courtroom type of setting. Their sins have finally caught up with them. And, and Micah addresses it. And he says this in verse 1. He says, listen to what the Lord says. And then in verse 2, Hear you mountains, the Lord's accusation. And then in the latter part of verse 2, for the Lord has a case against his people. There was corruption in the church, friends. The Israelite leaders were taking advantage of the people. They were mistreating the women and the children. They were practicing uh, brutal, dishonest business deals. They were robbing the people. There was debauchery. There was... was, um, Uh, The leaders were living in luxury off of the earnings of the poor. And as the Lord looked at this and as he spoke through Micah, he said, it's broken. And truly that day, as the almighty God of the universe, God could have cast his judgment upon the Israelite people and he could have brought great harm to their life. But look what he does instead. Look what he does instead. Uh, The latter part of verse 2. For the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you, he asks. How have I burdened you? Answer me. And then he speaks grace over them, reminding them of what he's done. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I... And And then... The people retort and they respond and they say, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? The guilty realize what they've done. Their sin has been brought before them and as their eyes are opened, there's this humility and this humbleness and this desire to respond. Shall I come with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Like, what can we do? How can we earn our way back to relationship with God? How can we restore things and make things right again? What are the things that I can do, the things that I can say? What are the things that I can give to make my sin right? Micah says, he's shown all you people what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Look at this grace. To act justly. To love mercy. To walk humbly with your God. Friends, it's so often the case when we get to the the tail end of this 500-year journey, and as as we have mixed things up as Christians, that it's so often the case that we try to bring something before God to to make ourselves worthy in his sight. 
We try to give enough money. We try to do enough good things. We try to hang out with the right crowd. We try to look the part. And time after time throughout the history of humanity and the history of Christianity, we see that as Jesus addresses this, he says, you've got it all wrong. It's broken. Your identity isn't found in the things that you do. Your identity is given to you as a gift from Jesus. And when you embrace that, life will forever change. Don't do good things to earn my favor. Instead, as you receive from me the gift that I give to you, live your life in response to the work that's already been done. And this is what Jesus is calling these people to. He says, grace has already been given. Grace has already been extended. I've given to you a blessing. Now go live differently in this world. I love this reality of our faith. And just this last week, actually two weeks ago rather, uh, there's some students that we've been talking to, uh, to about this as they're getting ready to be baptized. As we talk about what it means to dedicate your life to live for God, we talk about the reality that as God has done a work in us, we live the rest of our lives for him. It, uh, God's work affects us internally and spiritually, but it also affects us externally as well. Our lives are different moving forward. People will see the difference. Our countenance change. Our actions change. Our lives change as we live for him. And we read about this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. One of the great pillar verses of our, of our baptism class, it says, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do long ago. Friends, what the, what the Lord asks us to do is to embrace the identity he's given to us and then to step into this world. And the first thing that he says to us here is, what does the Lord require of you? In response to the work that's being done, what does God ask? He says to act justly. To act justly. And so he doesn't want us just to do the busy work of social justice, which can be very kind, but instead he invites us to go into this world and to share this reality uh, that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is at work. And, and just as Jesus dealt with the root issues of our life, not the surface issues, not the surface sin stuff, the root sin stuff, he broke the curse of sin in our lives. He defeated the grave. He defeated Satan. And in doing so, he dealt with the root condition of our life, sin. And now, as a result, we go out and live differently. Not just simply doing good, hoping that it will bring good to us. But we are people who are invited to step into the justice areas of our world. And to, to live our lives as a result and as a response to him. So friends, I want to endorse and I want to enforce that when Jesus touches our lives, not only does he justly transform our sin condition, but then he transforms us externally to go and live and to shine a light for him. And as I said, what, what does Jesus invite us to do here? He invites us to act justly. It's the idea of justice for all in society. 
of working for right relationship with our neighbor, of helping to lift another person in Jesus' name, especially the most vulnerable. It's the idea that God loves all people. But when it comes to justice, friends, not only does God love all people, but he, he regularly, if not always, takes the side of the broken in spirit. God is a God of justice who pleads the case of the poor, and he requires his people to do the same. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18, it says, He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the foreigners residing among you. He gives to them food and clothing. And so God doesn't want people just to come to church like we're doing. And this is a very good thing. There's power in presence. There's power in community. There's a transformational work that gets done here as we gather and as we worship. But then he wants to send us out. He wants us to go into this world and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He wants us to step into this world and address the justice issues, the deep-rooted foundational cause of brokenness and make a difference there. He wants us to do something about the inequity and the injustice of this world. And we see this developed in Scripture. Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the right of those who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And as God pleads the case of the poor, and requires, he requires us to do the same, not just inviting us to deal with the symptoms of brokenness in our world, but rather the root causes. In essence, Jesus wants us to level the playing field. And as we look at our world and we see the deficiencies and the brokenness and the inequity that takes place, he wants us to level the playing field so that all people have every opportunity to to live in the fullness of who God created them to be. He wants us to balance things out. And this is not a cause or this is not a, a support of socialism per se. There's brokenness in that too. This is about equality in Jesus' name. This is about justice. This is about helping people to step up and step out into who God truly invited them to be. It's the idea of of, of teach a person or, or give a person to fish and you feed them for a day, but teach a person to fish. You feed them for a lifetime. And so, again, just like the cross, Jesus didn't deal just with our lies or our gossip or our lust. No, he went much deeper than that. He dealt with the root condition of our souls, and he healed it, and he he restored it, and he gives us an identity, and he challenges us to go out and do the same sort of work in Jesus' name by his power and for his glory and for our joy. And you know what? We look at the issue of justice in our world and we think of some of the big issues that take place. The political issues. Things like um, human trafficking. Things like residential schools. Things like racism. You know, these are big topics and big things. But so often it's the case that as Jesus calls us and as Micah calls us to act justly in our world, he wants us to consider some of the more basic activities of life that go on around us as well. He invites us to consider a program that provides tutors for kids in, in, uh, in, uh, in urban schools so that they have an equal opportunity to learn to read like suburban kids often get the chance to do. He asks us to consider supporting overwhelmed single parents who are struggling to find time and resources to give adequate time or attention to their children. He asks us to consider the just act of taking in a foster child. 
he asks us to employ a young person just coming out of jail. Friends, justice is a host of activities that level the playing field and provide equal opportunity for all. And as we do, we will see transformation take place in Jesus' name as we step out and help people to step up, as Micah is inviting us to do here. Friends, when we only deal with the, with the, the symptoms of brokenness, really what we do in our world is that we're, really what we perform is really an act of charity rather than an act of justice. Jesus invites us to more. And when we deal with root issues, we see here transformation take place. And this is what Micah is instructing us to do. I believe that as we live in these days, friends, we can no longer outsource our responsibility as the church to deal with social issues in our culture. I think that this is another 500-year time span. I believe that we're entering into days where Jesus is doing a refreshing work in the church and he's calling on us. I believe this is very prophetic for the nation of Israel, but also for us as the church here today, for University Drive Alliance Church. This is a prophetic word where Jesus is inviting us into something more and something deeper than the ways we've previously been practicing. We can't expect, we can't hope that the life that we see on a street corner in downtown Lethbridge, that somebody else is going to take care of it. If God is showing us these things, then he's inviting us to do something about it. And I believe that's so much of what's taking place here today. When we just go once or twice to do something kind, I would define that as an act of charity. But when we step in and over the the course of a season or over the course of a long journey, we rub shoulders with people and we get to know them and we step into their lives and help them to step up and step out This is justice, friends. This is the transformational work that that Micah's calling us to, that Jesus invites us into. This is dealing with root issues. And while charity is necessary in our world, the church is called to more. While Jesus does good things in our kindness, he's inviting us to step into deeper places. And so as people who are called to act justly, this is our calling, this is our opportunity to step in and to step out so that our world can change and lives can be touched. In recent days, you know, we we get worried about this, about how are people going to embrace this? How are people going to receive us when we come forward and try to help them? And I'm just going to share with you, friends, that in recent days, it's been my understanding and it's been my perspective that while, while faith and church are changing somewhat, while some of our practices are changing, truth isn't changing, Some of our practices might be changing, and that's okay. That there's an openness in our culture like we haven't seen for a long time. There are people that are looking up, and there are people that are looking for hope, and they can find it in Jesus, and they can receive it as we live in just ways. Friends, as we look at lifting of guidelines and returning to some measure of normal, and I'm not sure we'll ever be totally normal again, I think one of God's non-negotiable requirements is to live into this. Are we doing this? There's many churches and many Christians who are pretty good at charity and who are good at helping those in need, but are we helping with the root issues in lives and situations or are we just dealing with the symptoms? Similarly to Jesus' work in us in dealing with our root sin condition, are we stepping into our communities and our cities and seeking the welfare of people around us? And making a difference. 
So I think it begs the question, how do we start? How do we step into this? How do we take next steps? How do we begin this journey uh, of changing our practices to act justly in our world? And to start, I would suggest that we start with this. That we start to pray. And we start to ask God, God, where would you have me serve? God, would you open my eyes? Would you open my ears? Would you soften my heart to some of the realities that are present and alive around me? And would you help me to step into this? Sometimes we don't even know that the problem exists or that the problem is present. And so we have to pray and ask God to open our eyes and show us what's going on around us. I heard a story a couple of weeks ago of of a man that lived on Vancouver Island a couple of kilometers away from a residential school. And he said, you know what's so sad? He said, what is so sad is what took place in in that school. He said, but what's even more sad is that I didn't even know what was happening. I was ignorant to the fact that the school was even there. Sometimes we need God to open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and show us what's broken around us and give us a burden for these issues and these problems and give us a desire to step into them. We start with a posture of prayer. The second thing we do is that we gather information. As we see these things, we, we have to learn about the disparity that's there. And so we read books, we uh, gather information, we start to listen to stories, friends. Culturally, we're learning of these uh, broken practices that we've had in our culture for generations. They're starting to come to the surface, even in recent days, in recent weeks. And we have to hear the stories behind them. We can make judgments against them against systemic racism or against residential schools, against trafficking. Uh, But sometimes, you know, our heart uh, doesn't move forward in these situations. We don't see healing take place until we hear the stories. This is one of the ways we gather information. We sit down with people, shoulder to shoulder, life on life, coffee to coffee, and we allow them the space to tell their story. As we hear these stories, it'll stir us. It will help us understand what's taking place in our world. And it will help, us to, it will help inform us of how we are going to start to move forward. We start to gather information. And we can see information all around us these days. We're filled with information. You watch the news at night. And yes, the first half hour of the news is all about COVID-19. But then you can start to catch snippets of what's taking place in our world. Realities like... Uh, Despite the unprecedented wealth that we know in our world, one billion people live in abject poverty, earning less than one dollar a day. That each day in our world, 50,000 people die from preventable poverty-related causes. That every single night that we go to bed, there are 850 million people in our world who go to bed hungry. And that every 3.6 seconds in our world, another person needlessly dies because they don't have the resources, because they're needlessly poor. And life could be different. Even here in southern Alberta, pre-COVID, pre-15 months ago, 16 months ago, one in six children were living in poverty. One in eight children had food insecurities. That's before COVID, before, before unemployment skyrocketed to 15.7% at one point. Imagine what the numbers are now. 
We have to understand what's going on around us. We have to gather the information because it'll inform our next steps. And as we do, God will burden our hearts. He will stir our souls. He will show to us the areas that he wants us to act justly in. He'll give us motivation to do something about it. The third posture is that we start to gather partners. I don't think we're meant to, to live in this life alone. I think one of the realities of COVID is that it separated us for a time. And my hope, my heart is that as things open up, we're going to start to gather in significant ways again. And part of this, as we act justly, is to rub shoulders with another life or another organization or with your church family or with your school or with Bible-believing Christians and step into action. To motivate another person as you hear stories, as you share information, as you pray and as we gather together to link arms with another life and say, Tim, Ken, Sharon, whomever, whatever your name is, would you join with me in this? Because I believe God wants to make a difference here. I believe he's calling us to more. And I'm so tired of that sleepy faith that I was a part of previously or that I was practicing previously. I want more in Jesus' name. And as we gather partners, there's going to be an accountability that will take place, but there will also be a motivation that will come, an encouragement that will come as we start to create pathways and strategies to deal with some of these issues. Finally, friends, we have to step into action. We have to do something. We have to step up and step out. As I said, we often think of these justice issues in terms of, of big issues like human trafficking or residential schools or racism or war crimes or whatever the case might be. But so, after, so often the justice of Jesus invites us into something much closer to home. It could be creating space in your schedule to go and read with young children or go help them to read who through the COVID journey have struggled with online school or with separation, who are dealing with PTSD or, or who are dealing with uh, uh, COVID fatigue and don't have a lot of strength to pour into school anymore. They need an encouragement, someone to come alongside and stir in them. Could be taking in a foster child like some in our church are doing. It could be an employing a young person coming out of prison. It could be going next door to your elderly neighbor or to that single mom and just having a cup of coffee in Jesus' name. Sharing the things that God has put on our hearts and sharing the things that God is doing and helping them to step up and to rise up to be all that God created them to be. Friends, this past season's been hard. The truth of this season is that God is at work. That crisis births opportunity. And in many ways, I see the church rising up again. I see God bringing fresh passion into our lives. I see good things coming together. See that God is showing us the broken parts of our community and he's saying, step into it. So church, I'm calling on us. I'm embracing us. I hope and I pray that I'm stirring us. That these are new days. That God is very much at work and he wants to use you and he wants to use me to be people of justice. So can I invite you to start asking God 
In light of what you've done for us, Jesus, would you start stirring my heart to step out into this world? Start asking God where he would have you move, where he would have you serve. Start asking God to show you the issues and then step into it. I'm going to tell you a super quick story. Back in April, I was a part of a meeting here in Lethbridge. It was a Zoom meeting. I hate Zoom. If we never do Zoom again, that would be okay. I was a part of this Zoom meeting that the city of Lethbridge called with the Lethbridge Evangelical Ministerial Association, with Lima. That's us and other Bible-believing churches. They came and they said very humbly, guys, we've tried and it hasn't worked. The social issues in our community are only getting worse. And they said this, I kid you not, this is a true story, we need your help. They said, we've reached out to other faith groups and no slight on them, but they haven't responded to us. We've come to you because we know that the evangelical church gets things done, that you guys will make a difference and that you'll rise up to the cause and to the opportunity and you'll do something about it. There's committees in the city that this week are meeting to do something about the justice issues of the world that we live in. And there are Christian leaders on those committees that are representing us and inviting us to step up and to step out in Jesus' name. So are we going to answer the call? Are we going to engage again? Are we going to just wish these problems away or hope that somebody else picks up the bull by the horns? Or are we going to step into action? In a time and a season that I believe is a reformation once again. A time where Jesus is breathing new life and passion into the church. A time where we're being invited to be the church. The hands and the feet of Jesus in a world that more than ever desperately needs him. God is going to move. And God is going to bless. And my prayer would be that 500 years from now, historians would look back. They would say the church answered the call. The church stepped up. The church moved. And as a result, eternity changed forever. I'm going to invite you to stand. And as we do, we're going to sing this last song. And as we sing it, I'm going to invite you to hold out your hands and to hold out your heart and allow God to touch you in a fresh way and stir in you in a fresh way. We don't have all the answers about what next steps are going to be. But it starts with prayer and it starts with a willingness to rise up and to rise out. Let's join together with the worship team and let's sing these words and make declarations to Jesus today.